Candy, the final girl? I thought you only murdered boys. I go both ways. <laughs> uh, I'm Erica Wright. PMS isn't real needy. It was invented by the boy-run media to make us seem like we're crazy. Hey, I'm Mika. It smells like Thai food in here. Have you two been fucking? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Joelle. They took her in their spooky van with the windows blacked out. Did you get the make and model? I don't know, Chip. An 89 rapist? <laughs> Clever dialogue in this movie. <laughs> Tonight on The House That Screams, Ghoul's Night Out edition, we are discussing Jennifer's body from 2009. And Erica's going to start us off tonight. Yeah, um, so I got to see this movie. It's opening weekend at the theater. Um, I went with a couple friends and we all enjoyed it. So I was kind of surprised by the very, I don't know, mixed at best and sometimes negative reactions by critics and, and sometimes you know, other moviegoers who just didn't get the movie, didn't like it. Um, I thought it was like quite a lot of fun, honestly. And then uh, in 2015, I was at the Stanley Film Festival um, where they were screening uh, Karen Kusama's like kind of other comeback film called The Invitation, which is a very serious, very heavy, slow burn uh, film, but phenomenal. And I definitely want to discuss some things about her career when we get further into the discussion, uh, because it's definitely relevant but um I, I think she's a uh, a really talented director she has a very unique vision and uh i i really enjoy you know her work so far so i, I definitely want to hear your thoughts about uh, if you've seen her other films let me know what you think later i have not um i remember when this film came out i did not get to see it in theaters um ash was two and i was just i had my hands full of two kids and I, um, I was a single mom then, so I just, did, you know, I caught it later. So, the thing is, is there, I, I feel this movie was marketed wrong, which is something that we talked about when we did SLC Punk. Like, that was a fantastic film that was completely marketed wrong. And if you know the backstory of the marketing strategy, what the marketing, all-male, by the way, marketing team wanted uh, Megan Fox to do, who is a very staunch feminist, by the way. Yeah, whatever you think about her, like she, she believes in, in in her convictions, and I appreciate that. But they wanted her to go on amateur porn sites to promote this film, and she was like, "Um, no, no, no." So I think this is a clever film, and I couldn't understand. Not only were people like, oh, you know, the dialogue is bad, the acting is terrible, it's stupid, it's not scary, it's not funny, it's not any of these things. But I'm like, you are missing the forest for the trees here. It is actually very, very smart behind all of its, you know, quirky dialogue and kind of, you know, 
teenage presentation. I it, I think it's that way for a reason, because that's the best way to convey what this film is trying to convey, which is turning gender tropes on their head in a horror film. And most slasher films are teen films. And uh, I, I just like that it, it made the males the helpless victims. And, you know, um, it kind of did a different thing with the final girl trope. Um, it, it just, it did a lot of different things. So underneath what, you know, this veneer of what people who don't really think about it see is, is, is brilliance. A lot of interesting ideas. I think it's, I think it's smart. And people think it's actually dumb. And I'm like, those are the people that like base how people are a bit on their looks, you know? That, that's my little starting yeah, yeah I, I definitely do want to get into discussing the the mismarketing of this film a bit later and like the the disastrous test screenings and which the, the advice they chose to take seriously instead of being like, well, that's dumb, just toss that comment out. But yeah, there's a whole other layer of uh, just idiocy there. Yeah, I, and honestly, I think that's probably why the movie flopped is because of how it was marketed. like. It was marketed like, okay, here's sexy Megan Fox from Transformers. Like, here you guys go. And like, men were like ultimately disappointed, like false advertising. Like they didn't get what they really wanted. I mean, they, they had the makeout scene and whatever, but um, I think if it were marketed better and not to like those dudes, like it, it would have done at least a little bit better than it did. I've seen this too when it came out, when it initially came out in 2009, I went to go see it at the theater and I, I loved it. And I watched it again today just to refresh my memory. It's been a couple of years since I've watched it and I still loved it. I still thought it was a really smart, good movie. Um, just like Candy said, like they flipped it. Instead of women being the quote unquote helpless ones, it was the guys. And she used, and let's be honest, men are weak when it comes to Women throwing, like, putting themselves on them. You know, men are, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't care who gets mad. Men are weak. I, I was going to throw it out if you didn't, so you go ahead. <laughs> so that's what Megan, in her character, you know, that's what Jennifer did. And men were weak for it. And that's why they became those victims. Because she didn't have to do much but show a little stomach or show this. And they were like, oh, Jennifer. Play she hello titty at the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, you know, uh, Joelle said, like, she was at the height of like the Transformers. I think she had just been on Maxim. So like she was like this sexy, the sex pod. I mean, I love Megan Fox. I think she's hot. <laughs> um, not gonna disagree with you. And so is Amanda <laughs> Seyfried, to be honest. But um, yeah, I just, it was mismarketed horribly. But I think for people, us or people that are into horror, we looked it up. What is this about? We want to know what this is about. So I don't think we were misled, but then also, we like we got to see what we wanted to see. The men were the victims. The men were the weak ones. The women were the ones that were on top. And that's what I wanted to see. That's what I got. So mm -hmm. I still love our movie and I still love it. I stand by it. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree. And the thing is, is that um, initially, why the, okay, here, here's the breakdown of why men were disappointed. 
they used the uh, makeout scene, you know, without really talking, you know, about or, or focusing on the fact that the the bisexual element was already there, and it and it's not male gaze, mm-hmm. and I think that's why they're disappointed, um, because we don't get it doesn't feel like a male gaze version of it. It feels very organic. They're actually attracted to each other, um, and that they always kind of happen. Um, and it's not just needy. It is also Jennifer who's always checking her out. And, you know, um, and, you know, just, we get that whole thing at the beginning, like, oh, total lesbian vibes. And why are you waving to each other? Well, friends would do that. But also I think there's a closeness that develops between women that men don't do. Um, and, 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 and I think women are much more open to their sexuality and, um, you find um, a lot more women who are be, who are comfortable with bisexuality or or coming out as a lesbian because you know it's just easy. It's it's so much easier for us to develop these relationships because we don't have like this bro code. We don't have you know. So I I felt like it really built up to that. So when they're making out and and there was actually they were actually supposed to have sex. Um, that didn't make it to the, you know, the thing. But but the kiss, they were actually, in real life, Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox were actually really attracted to each other. And they both were, like, we kissed the same. It felt natural. And they were not ashamed of that. And, you know, so I think, I, I think it really touches on that. And that's why men were disappointed. It didn't feel like a male gaze. It felt organic it felt real and natural it wasn't like it just suddenly happened we had a lot of build-up and we knew that there was already sexual tension between them in my opinion mm-hmm. i would agree with that and and the writer like she she was kind of like inspired by her own memories from her childhood to like do stuff like that because she had mentioned like um some female female like friendships get really intense to the point where they're like almost romantic because they get so close to each other and she wanted to bring that into the film to show like almost how horrific like the devotion of that friendship is like how devoted needy is to jennifer and that it's almost like parasitic almost Mm -hmm. um yeah so I like I like that she brought that in. I think Diablo Cody is is uh, a very smart writer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she did write um, Juno, which was a brilliant film. Absolutely, love that. She does have some regrets about that right now, um, with the current state of women's rights in regards to um, reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, it's it's a very uh, charged climate right now, and something that I have to bite my anger back and certain company about. Um, and I don't even have a uterus anymore. Mm-hmm. I I had to have a hysterectomy after my son, but I I I have a stepdaughter and a daughter, so like you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I I get what she's saying. So yeah. But, um, yeah, women are, we tend to have close relationships like that. Like, we don't mind, like, cuddling. We don't mind, like, me and my friends 
we cuddle, like we'll get up on the couch and watch our serial killer, or our true crime stuff. And we'll just cuddle <laughs> with a blanket. Like, so I'm, I, like I said, I watched today and when she was like, you're totally lesbian gay. And I was like, oh, like I think that girl on my purse actually throughout the movie. But when I think they she was a representative of that teen who, whose parents raised her to be like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. Yep. Yep. But it's not, it's like you said earlier, like it's normal for what most women to just, you know, we want to cuddle with our friends. We get dressed in front of each other. We change, like it's no big deal. Like, absolutely. <laughs> so, like, you know, um, not to throw you under the bus here, Erica. But, uh-huh. Like, we went and we met up uh, last summer to go. Um, well, she actually flew here and we, our, us Midwest people from the show drove to meet the other people from our show um, in Pennsylvania. And, like, her and I were, like, sharing a bed. Mm-hmm. And the guys were kind of uncomfortable about sharing a bed. And I'm like, no, no, we're sharing a bed. Because I don't want to... It's either <laughs> I'm going to sleep with my husband or, you know, I'm going to... And I didn't want Erica stuck with another guy. I'm like, you can, you can, you know, let's let's do this. It'll be much more comfortable. Right. You know, no yeah. thought given. And I'm like, I straight up was like, man, I sleep with my pants off. <laughs> sleep in my underwear it was just like totally okay guys would be really fucking uncomfortable about that yeah they would <laughs> and like we were just like whatever and when she was here like we were like basically sleep over in my bedroom watching movies and shit you know and and i don't think that's an age specific thing you know um so that just testifies just how women were just comfortable with each other we're comfortable with ourselves we're comfortable with uh you know it being a friendship or even if it's like something else different, like uh, an, an attraction, it's so organic between us with men. It's a lot harder. And, and my brothers are gay. I've seen this real life, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Another thing I think is yeah, interesting is sort of the dysfunctional side of these close female friendships. And I not to imply that, you know, women's friendships are inherently toxic, but the, definitely the one in the movie is that uh, you know, near the end when Meaty calls her out saying, you were never that good of a friend. You know, like that Jennifer was always undermining her, like stealing her toys from her when they were little kids and then stealing boyfriends. And it's uh it's kind of the Jennifer character is interesting because I mean, she's very popular and she's gorgeous, but she's clearly so insecure. She can never be upstaged by anyone. She has to have like her friend, like kind of be less than her socially for her to feel okay. And maybe went along with that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot you can dig into with that. I can show, I can't show cleavage because that's Jennifer saying, but I can show my stomach right? like like that. And I think, I feel like they kind of did that. It was almost purposely like, of course, Jennifer, like she's a hot one, but then needy is like, she's cute, but she's nerdy. She has the glasses. Like, you know, I I feel like they did it on purpose because there's this, what's it called? Like a, like they say that really pretty girls have to have that one friend or that friend that's to them, what do they call them the Duff? The Duff, yeah. There, there's a movie about that. Like, yeah. Yes. And I feel like they tried, like in the movie, that was like Needy was like the Jennifer's Duff or whatever, like that. And she always treated less than, but to Needy, like 
And I think her boyfriend said it in the beginning of the movie. He was like, you guys have nothing in common. Like, why are you guys friends? Like, she treats you like crap. And she was like, she's my Beth or something like that. And so he's like, you guys have nothing. So for some reason, Needy needed this friendship. And Jennifer also needed because I feel like in some way, Needy felt less than. So she thought Jennifer, for some reason, elevated her. And Jennifer wanted it for the opposite. And some female relationships, unfortunately, can be toxic like that. Oh, so. I know. Um, my, I, 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 I've said this on the show before. Um, Sean's cousin was my best friend since I was, we were like six years old. That's how we met Sean. That's how long we've known each other. But, um, and, and she died, it'll be three years ago in November. Um, like 40 forever. It's so weird. But, like, the last years of her life, like, she was just like, I wish I'd never been friends with you. You were, you were a fucking loser. And I believe that. I believe that. She'd be like, oh, you're the hot one, but I'm the smart one. I'm this, I'm that. You know, she was always trying to pick roles of you're this and I'm that. And I'm like, but I genuinely, and this is how I interpret it. Maybe I'm projecting that relationship onto Needy and Jennifer, but, you know, um, some need to define a role and then there's the one friend who really thinks that they're fucking friends really believes it and then when she realizes like she's fucking furious like when needy realizes you only want the things that i have you could have anything else but you only want what i have and you've put me down and you've made me feel like less and that that's very reflective of that relationship and i realized the person i call my best friend for like 30 something years was never my best friend and that's a hard thing so i was grieving that relationship and trying to figure out what the fuck was wrong with me what's going on with my self-esteem i let her make me feel like i wasn't pretty or i was only pretty um you know i was only this and i was never all the things that she was and i'm like that's that was my purpose i was her yes man and then you know so i i've just you know i have this need in me to to just have close female friends and it's so hard for me particularly with my interests um horror gaming stuff like that and i'm so lucky to have met erica and and gotten close to her and that was the mission because you were a hard, you were you were a tough nut to crack at first i was like <laughs> is she gonna be my my close friend because i'm really gonna try and it, and it happened and i was really glad you know to have a, a close female friend again i don't have any they're all yeah. I went through like a period of time where I had a hard time, you know, getting female friends as well. I mean, part of it was because of, you know, certain interests that at least back then, like when I was really, you know, first into horror, not many women were, and it's like more women are really into horror now than when I like really got hooked on it. But for a while it was such a guy thing. And then some of my other hobbies were also very masculine. Like I did mixed martial arts and jujitsu and things like that. So like a lot of my closest friends were guys for like probably about a decade, I think. And I think that there's a need in us for to have that friend that understands, you know, you know, of the same gender. And it's mm -hmm. cool when you have the same interests and the same gender. And I was just like you know, that's me. I'm just like, you're going to be my friend. You don't know it yet. <laughs> but you're going to be my friend. Because I really want to be friends with you. You're so cool. You know, whereas I just feel like there's an insecurity in men where they wouldn't, they don't have that need or they act like they don't, I should say. I think it's probably acting like they don't. 
I, I think most of them do like feel that kind of need, but it's like because of certain social, you know, and gender role expectations, they probably aren't comfortable expressing that. Whereas we, you know, we come from, you know, our parents were, you know, our mothers were still in the pink thing, as we've talked about. Men have this toxic masculinity thing that was passed on them. You don't cry. You don't show emotions. You don't act like a girl. And I'm just, a lot of people complain, you know, like, well, I can't figure out what genders now and all that stuff. I'm like, this is needed to happen for so long. I am so happy that we're having this. People want to be they, them. They, they identify as, you, you know, if you come up to me and you tell me that you identify as a man, I'm going to treat you like a man. That's, that's your choice. That is your life. And that is what makes you happy. You know, and I'm going to absolutely respect that. If you tell me you're non-binary and you want to be addressed as they, them, I will address you as they, them, you know, and, and it's, uh, I guess it's just on my mind because I'm working through some things in, in therapy and, and you, you guys have listened to this show. I'm not afraid to talk about my personal life and I identify it as asexual, um, demisexual because I'm, I'm happy in my marriage, but I, I actually went through conversion therapy when I was a kid and we just figured out that I'm bisexual. I actually, I'm asexual through trauma. I'm not asexual because I'm asexual. And so I'm like, Oh my God, I've been bisexual the whole time. They were right. They were trying to drive the women out of me. I wish I would have, you know, explored that more uh, when I was a kid, instead of letting myself go through conversion therapy. They give you hormones, they hypnotize you. You have to understand the state of fucking Indiana. They do not like gay or bisexual or non-binary people here. It is yeehaw, motherfucker kind of shit here. A lot of Christian overtones to everything, and you can't you can't be different. It was really hard for my brothers. That's why neither of them live here anymore. Yeah, the only safe place is Indianapolis. <laughs> like, literally. That's our only, like, that's where I live at. And, um... I'm sorry that happened to Candy. I'm sorry through that. Um, I had actually talked about this on the show I did the other day, but I didn't come out until I was 35. I was in a marriage for 10 years that I was miserable in. I went to Catholic school and I did too. And being gay is wrong. Being gay is wrong. Being gay is wrong. I knew I liked girls when I was like in sixth, seventh grade. Like I knew it, but I, you know, Catwoman did it for me. Yeah. I, I I just told myself I'm done with this. I'm sick of not living in my truth. I don't care who I have at the end as long as I'm myself and I'm happy. And we got divorced. Thank goodness. We don't even talk anymore. <laughs> um, but and I, I feel met, bad. I'm on my second marriage. I met Ray like two years ago. I'm engaged now. We're getting married in September. <laughs> so I'm so happy for you. I'm really happy you. for you. So yeah, I'm sorry that you went through that. And I didn't, I went to therapy to work through all that. Like, it's kind of horrifying when you keep being told like you're you're wrong and you're gonna go to hell. Like it's, it well, is. Every time you have a girlfriend and you feel, I feel much more, I don't even, I won't go to a straight bar. I will only go to gay bars and, mm-hmm. and let women buy me drinks, even though I'm like, I'm with them, but you know, I'm not available, but it feels good and it always has, but it's like, I wouldn't let myself go there because I went through conversion therapy. Women are not allowed. And and it and I kind of was crying about it in therapy when we had that breakthrough, which was very recent, something I've just been dealing with. I'm like, I don't think I'm actually asexual. I asked my therapist who I've been working through this stuff with years. I'm like, you know, 
do you think that I'm asexual because of the sexual trauma I experienced as a child? Or do you think I'm actually asexual? Because I've been trying to figure this out for a long time. I just hated sex. She's like, I think you were asexual through trauma, honestly, from working with you. And I'm like, because she's like, you, you're very open about your attraction to women. And I'm like, and I've had girlfriends, but I got bullied, you know. And so my mom basically was like, your job is to marry and reproduce, which I did. <laughs> and I don't regret it. I love my kids. And I, I, I love my husband who gets me. But uh, I really wish I'd, I had tried to spend more time being happy and not broken up with girlfriends and, and, and to have that experience. Because obviously, like, I'm not going to change my life now. But I, to know it at least is, is a freedom. And I'm sorry I went on that. <coughs> but it's basically me coming out. <laughs> Thank you for trusting us with that. And all your listeners, apparently. But no, I, I, I say this stuff publicly, and I'm not afraid to release it, because somebody needs to hear this. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Andy, I'm in a whole group on Facebook and Instagram for women that have came out late. <laughs> so there is a whole bunch of us that didn't come out until our late 20s, 30s, 40s even. Like, so, yes. And other people need to hear that. I would hate for a teenage girl that might be listening to this to have these feelings and don't, doesn't want to, you know, express them or come out or scared. And then hate sex with men and, and, and have, or in my case, you, you end up going through conversion therapy and that's, yeah. it, it's a terrible experience. Let me tell you that it's, it's a whole different conversation, but this film makes me think of that, that mm -hmm. closeness that I felt mm -hmm. with women and, 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 and it was a little more, sometimes like it it was between needy and jennifer who was who despite whatever you know with their friendship they were into each other and it was obvious mm. you know and i think maybe they were both a little afraid of that and that's why it took her becoming a succubus to you know for jennifer to be like you know what let's let's do this we've been working up to it let's just go for it because she wasn't afraid anymore so i think there's some neat things on that subject but I'm, I'm i'm hogging the floor i will i'll stop i completely i agree with that i think they're uh they were leading up to that the entire time like i wasn't surprised when they had that makeout session <laughs> i was like oh this is what was i knew what was happening i was waiting for it to happen so yeah i think it did touch on all of that and Needy knew that she was attracted to Jennifer, like we all knew watching the movie, but she was still like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What is going on? And <laughs> so she was still like, even shocked at herself for acting on those impulses, I guess I should say. But especially when she has this boyfriend that she does love. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, Joelle, uh, um, you're, you're a quiet one. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you have the floor. Um, anything that you would like, any themes that you noticed or that you liked or didn't like in this film? Um, well, I, I kind of want to talk about the sacrifice scene. Um, and people can say whatever they want about Megan Fox and how she acts. Um, but I think for this specific scene, she was so good because like I, looked at her and I actually felt she was terrified and um 
the the director even said like when she watched it she found it really hard to watch and it and it deeply upset her um and then uh fox had actually said in an interview like she saw that scene as um like a representation of her relationship with the movie studios at the time yes um she said it felt like she was being sacrificed for their gain with almost no concern for her well-being um so she could have definitely been terrified during that scene too um but yeah i i just bravo to her in that scene to be honest yeah and even leading up to that you know just seeing her face in the van Mm -hmm. And and when she's telling the story where we see the, the sacrifice, you know, you almost feel like it's going to get rapey, but it doesn't. It, it's yeah. just sheer terror, like, oh, we're going to sacrifice the virgin and get, you know, famous. And and she's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and, and it really does get to you, like, the, just the tears in her eyes. And, 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 and a lot of people drag Megan Fox, and they don't realize, you know, with all the allegations with Michael Bay, and she's over-sexualized. But I think it's interesting that both her and Amanda Seyfried, who has also been exploited, um, usually she also plays sexy roles. And she said it was nice to not have to do that in this film. Um, I mean, she played uh, Linda Loveless, you know, the first huge porn star right. ever. You know, like, she's not a... She's also very attractive very and very sexualized a lot. But... You know, um, the thing is, is that with Megan Fox, everybody's like, well, she's really hot, but she can't act or she's stupid or, you know, so they went to, you know, a lot of the males. And and I also found out that the percentage of male to females who like this, the women outnumber by a large margin, like 75 percent or something. The men mm -hmm. who like this, they came in wanting they something. That. Yeah, they wanted something that. um we didn't get, which I was glad, or else mm -hmm. we wouldn't probably be talking about this film. It would be just like yeah. any other film. And I feel like this is maybe a good uh, time to mention some things about uh, Karen Kusama's career as a director. Um, before she uh, directed Jennifer's Body, she had directed Aeon Flux, which was an adaptation of uh, like an MTV animated series. It was very kind of surreal and hypersexual. Yes. And like that movie got dragged. Like, and I saw the theatrical version. I didn't think it was terrible at all, really. Um, but it's like the studio, you know, wanted a certain thing. They didn't like the direction she was taking it. So they cut out like a huge section of footage. Um, and then blamed her for its commercial and critical failure when it was released. It wasn't her vision anymore. And then I kind of feel like, you know, like similar things happened with Jennifer's body that there was studio interference. They wanted it marketed a certain way that was very idiotic. And then they you know, blamed the, the director again when, uh, you know, critics and audiences didn't, uh, you know, didn't really get what they were expecting from it. So I, when I um, attended her talk at the Stanley Film Festival in 2015, I, I think it was the world premiere of her uh, film, Invitation. And I hope my internet's not flaking out again, because it might be. Um, anyway, yeah, she was okay. saying that like she was basically in director's jail for years and years. Like she could just not get work as a director. And I'm thinking that's 
there's a lot of sexism in the Hollywood system. Like, just think of how many absolute shit movies men have directed and they still get directing jobs. Yeah. Let's see. Am I, am I cutting out too much? No, no. Oh. You're fine. Okay, okay, good. But um, yeah, I was worried for a second because everyone else froze. I'm like, oh no. Um, but yeah, like men have directed some just real dogs and movies and and they can still get directing work anyway but it's like you know a woman directs something that's not um as successful as what the studio wants and they just yeah they're ready to sacrifice her basically and uh the the stuff about with jennifer's body in the test uh audiences like the studio thought okay it's going to be teenage boys and kind of like frat type you know guys in their early 20s who are the gonna be the primary audience for this so those were the people they test screened it to and one of the feedback comments they got was like needs more boobs and more and boobs were misspelled <laughs> and that's the advice that oh the studio God. executives took seriously <laughs> it's just it's just so uh crazy making Let's just talk about how creepy that is, though, because they were pinned to be in high school, even if they were technically older than 1821 when they are actually playing in the movie. The fact that guys, and it was probably, you know, older guys, too, that watched, even though that was the test audience, but, like, need more boobs. And I'm just like, technically, those were supposed to be, they were playing high schoolers, so that's kind of creepy. But <laughs> that's all I'm going to yeah. say. Well, I mean, that element's always there and, and it has a certain societal, like, okayness to it, mm -hmm. acceptance, that, well, of course an older man can be into a younger woman. That's not weird. No. But my mom had married a younger man who was, uh, her husband who just passed away, was only four years older than me and they call her, and there's a name for that. It's a cougar. And, mm -hmm. um... What is the name for a man who likes a younger woman? It's called normal society. Yeah. You're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. It's fucked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Been that way for a long time. And, you know, with um, the vision for the film, there they have so many reasons that they blamed her and Diablo Cody for the failure of this film, you know, as far as commercially, it did become a cult hit on home video, but um, it was like, well, it shouldn't have been rated R. And I'm like, honestly, this was weak on gore, but it did need the violence. It needed it um, to get the story across. But I mean, compared to some of the other films that we talk about, um, Eric is into a lot of extreme films. I love gore films and extreme films too. And it's like, this is nothing. Yeah. They wanted mm -hmm. it to be PG-13 because they're trying to appeal to that audience. It was just, and, and, and we have an all-male marketing team who completely fucked it up. So how is that mm -hmm. the director and the writer's fault that they that the, the men audience that they were trying to cater to didn't get what they wanted? Honestly, I feel like this is a movie for women and, and, and teen, teen girls. I don't care what they say about Megan Fox's acting. Like, yeah, I, I know she usually plays like those certain roles and in Transformers she was like the helpless girl I honestly think that she killed it because it was a role I never play so I think she killed it I also feel like Jennifer's body I have a level of horror movies and I feel like Jennifer's body is like a good starter movie for a teenager that's how I would rate it it but. is I mean and, and even if they don't 
go deep into it like we are, you know, as grown women, um, it's still, you know, it, it's clever. It moves along quickly. Um, we've got some cool scenes. Um, you know, the effects are, are pretty decent. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good for a starter, but I think it's also better later on after you've thought about it for a while. If you're that type of person, you know, yeah. there's more to it. Yeah. And I like, um, and I'm one of the few people that would admit this. I, I'm actually a whole fan. I've seen him in concert a million times. Courtney Love is a hot mess, but I like her messages and her music. And it was taken from the song Jennifer's Body uh, off the Live Through This album. And if you listen to that song, and and at, even at the end with the credits, they're playing uh, one of the songs from the album, um, Violet, which fits so well because it's like this, you know, um, Holmes' music is, is feminine aggression before they got kind of poppy later on, but, um, or went in a different direction. But, like, their early stuff, they started as a punk band. But it was female rage, like that riot girl rage. And um, Jennifer's Body is about the um, assault and... Um, the ripping asunder of a woman and destroying her and breaking her into pieces, you know, because it's pieces of Jennifer's body. And I like that they use that. Um, it, it's a deep song. It's it's about, you know, maybe guys bop along to it. I and mean, maybe there, I'm sure there are plenty of women who just like back in 1994 thought it was the coolest thing and then they forgot about it. But it stuck with me because it has a powerful message. Mm -hmm. And so... I really think that everything was done right by uh, the creative team. And uh, I think the acting was on point. I like the casting. It's the men who mishandled this and yep. misunderstood mm -hmm. it. I agree. I agree. Can we just talk about, you talked about music. And I, I, for some reason, my mind keeps going back to the sacrifice scene where they're singing 867309. Yeah, <laughs> Jenny. I always like that is just such an uncanny song to like I get why they sung it but it's like people sing to that and they're you know they bop along to it you don't sing it before you those 80s you I, know one hit wonders yeah yeah <laughs> you don't sing it before you sacrifice somebody and it, I found that was a theme too it was like even when the guy Colin was on his way to go meet Jennifer in that abandoned house he's singing a happy song but he's like on his way to his like demise and it's just <laughs> I don't know. When you mentioned that song, I thought about that. It's like before shit got real, they were like, you know, there was a, a happy song or something happy going on. And they sung that song. I don't know if it, their point was to try to calm her down before they sacrificed her. But, you know, when Joelle mentioned that, that that whole entire scene, even when she was in the van and she the realization comes over her, I shouldn't have gotten in this van. <laughs> like I shouldn't have. It was like a... Yeah, like a horror movie, you know, when that realization comes over, you're like, shit, I made a mistake. <laughs> so. And that's a very female-specific feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, watch, you know, hold on to your drink, don't set it down in the bar, um, don't go home with people you don't know, and I mean, even as children were taught, don't get into a van with people you don't know. Mm -hmm. So, um, that, that fear that's there i mean it's a real fear for women that we have to that you know men don't have to worry about walking across a, a dark parking lot and we all have our keys between our fingers or pepper spray mm -hmm. or something or erica can just kick their ass with her martial arts because she's badass 
You know what I'm saying? But I can't do that. Um, but, you know, think about Chip's mom giving him the pepper spray. And he's like, this is for girls. Is it? Yeah. Mostly, yes. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. um, but we, we're certainly not the weaker sex, although we do have, we have to watch out for ourselves all the time. You go to a party, you know, and, and, and I used to party a lot um, in my youth, and I was very careful not to get, you know, I'd only get to a certain kind of high, and I didn't even start drinking until I was 39, and I don't drink, I drink one cocktail, and I've already drank it tonight, so, um, weak, girly drinks, but, you know, I'd, I'd be, you know, smoking joints and stuff, and I'm, I'm watching, because I know some guy's gonna start trying to touch me or get with me because that's why they want you to get fucked up and we all kind of know that instinctively like we have to watch our ass mm -hmm. or have a friend with us who will help watch our ass we watch out for each other we tend to um do these things in groups and needy i was kind of like why didn't she go over there but i guess she was in shock because the place is like burning up and exploding behind her but still you know it almost like she had a look of betrayal on her face and I think it was because of the, that's my best friend, and I'm attracted, and why would you go off with this band that you don't know? Like, what are you thinking, you know? Because mm -hmm. she's also kind of angry, you know? It's a weird, weird thing, but yeah, I mean, as women, we do have to watch our ass in that moment where she realizes, I fucked up. Uh, when Jennifer realizes that, you're just like, yeah, this is what we, we don't want to happen to us, something that we know happens to a lot of women. Mm -hmm. Not usually for a sacrifice, but when you something bad's gonna happen, you get in that van. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, being a horror fan and like a true crime fan, like it really drills that stuff into your head too. And like, I've been lucky enough to not have anything like that happen to me in my life. But um, I just from watching that stuff, like, you know, what could happen and what people are actually capable of. And it's terrifying. Um, my fiance's mother actually bought me a taser for Christmas and it's freaking great. And I can't wait to like carry it around. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm anti-gun, but I, I would carry a taser. Carry. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cause I think guns just invite gun violence. You oh yeah. Know, I'm not, I'm not a gun person. I'm not trying to judge people who are actually safe and, and responsible about it, but I I, I won't have one because it, it's true. If you have a gun, you're much more likely to experience gun violence. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, taser, absolutely. I'll taser the hell out of somebody. Yeah, I, I uh, did a police internship uh, in graduate school and I, I had uh, my friend, it was a sheriff's deputy, tase me in the ass just to see what it felt like. It was uh, not good. Yeah, it was a powerful experience, a shocking experience. Perhaps. Shocking, yes. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, I don't understand why why people didn't think even five minutes deeper into this film. Mm -hmm. they just took it at face value mm -hmm. and there are a lot of you know women who do like it but don't realize some of these things about the film and there are a lot of them it's really the 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 whole point of the film and that so many people missed it and and shit on this film it's not scary enough it's not funny enough it's mm -hmm. not this and then we got a lot of evil dead references and and it was part of the inspiration which is really badass 
um, um, big Evil Dead fan, but me too. But yeah, so it yeah. took that concept and just did something different with it. And I'm just like, how do you not like at least you know two snaps up or something? Well, I think another wow. and didn't like it is because it does show them as the weaker sex. It wasn't a man coming to save the day. It was needy that came and saved the day. And I don't think they were the ones that were getting killed off. Like I have to give Jennifer her props. Like she was getting them left and right. <laughs> and it's amazing that she used the very thing that was they were wanting to market with her body, you know, Jennifer's body using her sexuality and and Jen, uh, um not Jennifer, sorry. Eric and I have talked about this before like with I spit on your grave. She uses her sexuality in order, you know, as a weapon. Because it's proven to work to lure in a victim if you need to. Um, and so she's like, oh, it's just a body. It's just boobs, you know. And all I have to do is flash one and I can get whatever I want. You know, smart bombs. When she's grabbing Needy's breast and saying, these are smart bombs, you know. And it's like, but it's true. <laughs> you can use that if you were a predatory female or a succubus in this case. Um who that's exactly what they do. They use their sexuality to to uh kill and 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 to uh possess and and take what they want. Um so I don't know, I just thought that was kind of interesting. I'm not condoning violence or using that or doing that, but like in the case of I spent on your grave, it was absolutely necessary and and warranted and it took me the second watch to get that part cuz I was like, why would she do that? And then I realized why later life experiences and, and shit like that and just getting older and I'm like I get it I fucking get it now and now I'm the biggest fan of that movie but th it's 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 very similar to what they do here because she's like hey I'm hot I can you know even Chip who who loves needy it takes him about 20 minutes of making out before he's like this is wrong I'm like it took you that long <laughs> I mean, she's hot, right? Mm hmm Yeah. Gotta give her a props. <laughs> so I always felt like when, because... that, when we had that sort of emotional scene, it kind of falls flat for me where she's, oh, you know, they're saying, he's saying, I love you. And she's like, I love you, you know, when he's dying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, motherfucker just cheated on your ass with your best right. friend. And... The fact that if he's really grieving the fact that you, you wanted to separate for a minute, he wasn't grieving too hard. It's, it goes back to that whole friend's argument mm -hmm. when the, we were on a break. I'm like, dude, you just broke up. You fucked a chick, and then you wanted to get back with her. Of course she said, hell no. And everybody's like, well, right. we were on a break. And it's like, so you immediately go have sex with somebody else? You're not grieving at all. Yeah. You're yeah. not grieving at all. So I, I don't feel that that's where, I mean, I want to love Chip. I really do. But I can't forgive that. It's not okay. How hard so were you really grieving? Well, she also lied to Chip and told him that she that Needy had had an affair with, with Colin. But I feel like if he knew Needy the way he did, he should have saw through that bullshit. <laughs> Correct. So, Correct. Chip. Maybe he was harboring some secret crush on her. Uh huh. Yeah. She had been warning Chip like for the like the out whole hour and a half of the movie like something's wrong with Jennifer something's going on with Jennifer oh I think you need professional help which let's talk about that we, women see something or we we think something and we need help like, hysteria 
<laughs> like, it, ugh. yeah, I guess you're right. I don't like Chip anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, and she's still like sad, got the picture of him at the end. And I'm just like, I would have been like moving on. <laughs> sorry, Chip. You know, I really did care about you. And he's all like dying. We were on a break. <laughs> Must not have been that sad. The only guy I kind of liked in the movie was Colin. Because I think he was just <laughs> poor guy. He just really liked Jennifer. He was just one of those emo guys that was just he was what I love about Colin is the scene where he goes and he's I mean, if you interchange him with some, you know, of the randos in a Friday the 13th film that are usually females wandering around in their underwear. It felt very much like that. He feels very vulnerable. He's wandering around in a place he knows he shouldn't be. Right. It's creepy. It's scary. But, you know, he's there anyway, and he feels very helpless, very vulnerable, the way that women are portrayed in these Friday the 13th films, except for, of course, our final girl. So I, I felt that vulnerability, and I really felt like I was watching a Friday the 13th kill about to happen, with a gender swap. <laughs> so he was good. He was he, he really did a great job of that. And, yeah, and I really liked his character as well. He was sensitive. He liked English. I would have been into him. Me too. Right. <laughs> Gay or not. Yeah, I, like yeah. <laughs> I go when both I ways. This movie, I thought, yeah, this is a this is the kind of guy I would, you know, go out with. Yeah. Right. That would be that would be totally my speed. Mm -hmm. He's just sweet, and he likes like dead things, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, anybody who 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 likes English, um, they've already got my attention. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, you like to write? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. So yeah, he was he was a very sympathetic character. Definitely. But he also, I thought, conveyed the best of that gender swapping of the tropes. Mm -hmm. I thought he conveyed the vulnerability the best, that kind of you dumbassery that is usually <laughs> given to the women. Well, I'm going to wander into the woods in my underwear because why not? And be scared. You know, mm -hmm. and you're just kind of like, you dumbass. <laughs> you know, you poor, pitiful dumbass. Mm-hmm. Went to the creepy neighborhood, the abandoned house. It was... That would have been like, baby, I got lost. We got to do this some other time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, related to that, too, was Chip's mom. Like, when he's going to the dance, she's literally telling him, like, look, they're saying that the kid that just died looks like lasagna with teeth. And then she just... She gives him pepper spray and sends him on his way. And of course, he's walking through this creepy, like, field forest area alone in the dark. And of course, there's Jennifer. Like, I don't know what that mom was expecting. And not to mention that Needy, who was being hysterical and imagining things and making things up and needed professional help, who was saying, there's something wrong with Jennifer. Okay. And what does he do? I think I'll make out with her. Test it out. Find out, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, that sure. was a uh, move for sure. Okay, I'm on frozen. 
All right. But I think that um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, everyone froze. I, I just stopped because I was like, okay, I froze. Um, but uh, yeah, my internet connection is unstable. It's been doing this to me, you bitch. Um, sorry. Um, anyway, the computer's a bitch and my internet. Oh, I wasn't referring to anybody else. Um, but yeah, I, I just, that's also another, you know, trope switcheroo. And um, I, as much as it pisses me off at Chip, uh, it's it's exactly what, I, you know, like I said, it felt very Friday the 13th with these men roles. And, and that's what we needed. That's something we needed. And I think that's why the film gets so much more credit now. Because the world is, you know, people are, are waking up and thinking about these things. Like, instead of it's like, oh, well, that was really fun. And it had some cool dialogue. And that was, you know, cute. Like, you know, getoverit.org or, you know, whatever, something like that. But, you know. um yeah, Move on I mean, .org. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's what it was. But instead, you know, we're thinking about things more because the world is, is a lot more socially conscious for some people. Um, but you know, it's better than no people. I'll take what I can get, but you know, we're open to these things more. So now it's, you know, a cult classic, which is awesome. I I'd much rather have a movie that I made be a cult classic than a hit because cult classics live forever. Mm -hmm. Talk about them all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on is I actually have not seen Ginger Snaps, oh. but I heard there are so many similarities, and I want your guys' opinion on it. Yeah, Ginger Snaps was one that we had scheduled, and sometimes my health just gets really wacky with my back, and, and it'll just wipe me out, or I have a medication change with it, but... Um, I'll let somebody else uh, talk more about it because I'm not super. I've only seen the movie maybe once, I think. Um, uh, and I've seen it a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm sure Erica could take this one and explain better than I could. Yeah, I, I guess I, I can definitely see the similarities. You have like uh, two sisters who are super close. One of them gets bitten by a werewolf as they're walking home late at night, and she survives the the injury but then she slowly starts to turn so it's not like your typical werewolf movie where it's just every full moon it's like a transformation that takes place over you know at least a month um but as she's transforming she's definitely more sexual and she is preying on uh male characters uh as well but uh yeah i i can definitely see some comparisons with there there's a lot of um uh, feminist subtext a lot about um like female adolescence and kind of how that changes uh you know roles for young women within their peer group and in society so it's it's totally worth uh checking out if you get a chance to so try to get the unrated version if possible so okay yeah totally yeah, it, it's definitely on my list it, it's one of those um the notes let me let me check my note because I, I did make a note about it um, okay, yeah, it's, one of the main comparisons with, uh, Ginger Snaps is, like, what Erica was saying, um, the adolescence and the changes in women, um, 
but also, you know, the closeness of the relationship, things like that. And, um, you know, adolescence is, is a nightmare anyway. And I think particularly for women, because, yes, men do have dramatic changes and, and things like that. Um, women's bodies are different in the way where, you know, we we start having our periods and, you know, and our bodies are doing things and they're just like, oh, you know, just like the PMS comment that we've already referred to, um, you know, it's, it's very similar in that way where it's just like, hell is a teenage girl, I guess. I was getting ready to say that. Hell is a teenage <laughs> girl. I think both of those movies touch on that. Yeah. I've only twice and I think it's because I was getting ready to do the episode with you and so I had watched it once and then I was like let me refresh my memory and watch it again my one of my close friends she loves ginger snaps and I was like yeah I'm not like you're not I'm not crazy about it but it was good it was decent enough um but now that you say it I do see the similarities her using her sexuality uh to get those guys so she could basically bite them or (laughs) get what she needed to get them and um have the closest of the sisters. And again, it's just to me, like the men were a little helpless when it came to her. And then also at the end, it was that the sisters battling each other, much like Jennifer and Needy were battling each other at the end. So I do think it's worth a watch. And I do, I do see similarities now that you say that. Yeah. And I just, for me, um, you know, PMS is and how I've always explained this to people. Cause obviously I had a lot of female troubles that ended up in me having, um, after I had my son at 27, and then I had to have uh, an emergency hysterectomy, ovaries, everything. I've been in menopause since then. I mean, it has some advantages because endometriosis was a, just the most horrible, painful thing ever. I have a lot of scarred and, and organs that I lost because of it because they refused to believe that somebody in their 20s could have it that severe. Doctors. And they were male doctors. So. Um, yeah. Telling me what's going on in my body without looking. And I'm like, no, I think I know. Anyway, um, but, um, you know, the comments about PMS that men like to make. I'm like, do you understand that PMS is actually a rare thing? It's a real condition. But not every woman has that. There's the time before you start your period where you're cranky. That's not PMS. It's an actual syndrome, premenstrual syndrome. I actually had the the extreme form of it, um, which, you know, led to female troubles, uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I was a goddamn nightmare. Like, I'm the most chill, non-angry person. And I remember one time, we are fighting over, like, my, my family's poor. We had cable in one room, and with the living room, and I wanted to watch some fucking something. Maybe, I don't, I don't, I don't know, some, some horror movie, I'm sure. And, um... Everybody else wanted to watch something else, and I got pissed. I took the remote, and I fucking broke it in half. I don't even know how I did it. To this day, couldn't tell you. I broke it, and they were scared of me, and I was scared of me. That's when I had to start going on psych- psychiatric medicine, but it turns out I needed biological medicine um, because, of course, hysteria. You know, but I try to explain, like, PMS is actually very rare, so don't just throw that term around. Sure. Like, just because I'm getting ready to start my period and I'm a little cranky because my body's about to shed a lining and I have to bleed for a week. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit cranky. You have headaches, you're tired, you're, and you still have to function. Like, none of that's going on. And um, we don't get, like, 
time off for that or, you know, a break. We, we still have to function on the same level as men. And as a matter of fact, as women, we have to do things, we have to try so much harder. Um, I'm like, don't, don't, don't say shit that you don't fucking understand. And, um, <laughs> as I've, I referred to recently, um, with the success that we are getting these days, I mean, it just, it just astounds me. And somebody on another uh, podcast that, you know, kind of relatively new was like, well, I guess I'd be that successful too. And keep in mind, we've been doing this two and a half years now. <clears throat> and I've busted my ass on every single fucking episode. All of us have. <laughs> and um, they're like, well, if I had big tits, I'd probably be successful too. And I'm like, no, maybe you should just fucking work hard like I did. I actually had to work twice as hard as you do because you're just a guy and you're already a member of the club. I, being the representative of the show, the creator of the show, I had to work twice as hard as you to get any kind of respectability, any kind of, you know, seriousness attributed to the fact that I have talent and I'm serious about what I do and I'm not just doing this so guys will like me better or something like that and or because I, I have big boobs or something. And that was the most... I, I was furious. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. That's why I brought it up. So you, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. I second that. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, do you not? Do you guys not agree that we have to work so much harder at, at everything just to get credit? Oh yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, again, yeah. It takes me back to why this movie's box office failure was blamed on the women who did the fucking film. Mhm. Not the men who mishandled it. Mhm. That's bullshit. Absolute bullshit. I can't believe someone said that to you. Or about you. <laughs> or any. Oh, like, girl, I could tell you stories. Because I, cause I also... do all over social media and sometimes I have to post and I and I and I I work for free to model our makeup, so I post pictures of like makeup looks and they're just like you're just trying to sell yourself. I'm like, look honey, I am not gorgeous. I just work free. And I know how to put on makeup. I'm a makeup artist. So, like, no, I'm not trying to sell my body. I'm trying to sell my fucking talent. Right. It's also, like, when you're talking about, like, the podcast and the, the dipshit, he said, oh, it's because you got big boobs or whatever. It's like, podcasts are in audio media format. <laughs> it's like, uh, the listeners can't hear if you have big boobs or not. It's just, it's a bizarre okay. comment. It just on need to be, uh, like when yeah. I did my look for The Bride of Frankenstein, I did have a low-cut top on. I usually crop that out because I feel like it. I don't get credibility if they can see my cleavage, which I, I wear an F-cut bra. But you know what? I like my breasts. They're nice. And why should I have to worry about what some sexist asshole has to say? If I have a cool fucking look put together and you're staring at my boobs that hard, that sounds like a you problem. I, I want to feel confident in my own body. Right. Like, fuck you. If that's what you think, then your show's still going to suck, okay? My, I've worked hard on mine. And big boobs didn't hold me back and it didn't help me get anywhere. We just, we've all worked really hard together to form this show. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Pisses me off more than the stalkers and the dick pic guys. 
Because <laughs> those are easy to get rid of. You block them. Yeah. I just don't understand what they don't get about that, especially being a woman that's into horror. Like, it's just, like, I don't know. That's why I think I was so excited to meet you because I was like, oh, it's hard for me. Like, it's hard to make friends as adults in the first place. Okay? <laughs> it is, especially yeah. if you're married, have kids. And once you get to a certain age, you're just so fucking busy with your career or whatever yeah. it is that you're doing. It's really hard. It's mm -hmm. much easier to meet like a potential partner as like a, like a, a, a you know, um, a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend than it is to make friends. Mm -hmm. I agree. You have to schedule that shit. Yep. And then, like, I got to do you, and I was like, "Oh crap, another woman that's in the scary movies." And now, look, now I have four women that I know that are in the scary movies. But it's just yeah. it's, like Erica said. Most of my friends that are into horror were male. Like that's so, and like my, my other female friends, like they like true crime, but like like the horror that I like, like. The, Gory, the bloody, the extreme stuff. Like right, 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 right. Gross. So, you know, it was difficult finding women such as yourselves that like the same thing. So and and what did I say um to to all of you when I first met you? That's really awesome because I've been looking for a friend that's female. I want more female energy and voices who are into this shit like I am. You know, that's really cool. It's not, it doesn't have to be the boys club where I'm the token female anymore, mm. you know. And I, and I love, I love the guys on my podcast. Love my husband. Love my guy friends. But yeah, I, I, I enjoy the company of females much more because for so long we didn't get to have a voice in this. And we got tested so hard and we get, and we're still getting judged um, by our sexuality, our, our gender. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like there there's much harsher judgments on us. Like, well, you must like it because of this, this. I'm, I'm like, I just fucking like it. I bet I like scarier, gorier, more intense shit than you. Try me. I've been doing this since I was a kid. Try me. <laughs> I can I can show you some shit that will make you throw up that I think is hilarious. <laughs> that I genuinely yeah, I enjoy. That. It had happened too. So yeah, early on it was like, um, you know, I, I my friends who did like horror were all guys for quite a while, but now it's like hard to find guys who are really into it. And if they are, they need like very mainstream, kind of softer stuff. Yep. Where I'm like, oh, do you have you watched Philosophy of a Knife? Have you watched a Serbian film? Have you watched uh, the original guinea pig films? And like, oh, I can't handle that. And like, or like they can't handle I spit on your grave because they don't like rape scenes. Not that those are fun scenes to watch, but that for some reason guys are a lot more squeamish now. They are. I have they no are. idea and why. Darren's hideout did I spit on your grave. They were they were <clears> very <throat> careful about it. And when Ben um, from Fire Rags uh, was talking about it, he was very careful about it. Like, they're they're afraid of it. And I'm like, it's not, mm -hmm. it, it has a message there. You can't be afraid of that, you know. Um, a lot of times horror has a message. Um, I'm, as much as I love a trash horror film, I, I love them. I have my own dogs that I love. And, and I, I stand by them that are just trashy, gory crap. Like, Sleepaway Camp or something you know fucking i'll die on that hill i don't yeah. care <laughs> but i also you know 
love the direction that horror, you know, we're having a really great renaissance in horror right now. And we're rediscovering mm-hmm. films and, and reevaluating films such as Jennifer's Body in a, an intelligent way that was ahead of its time. Where <clears> if it came out now, mm-hmm. I think it would have done great. Great. Yep. I agree. Probably. I think so, because society's different. And mm-hmm. this isn't a boys' game only anymore. It's not mm-hmm. a boys' club anymore. Agree. There's so many great um, female horror content creators. And we've always had some some good uh, icons, you know. I always like to think I'm Vampyra, but I realize that I'm Elvira, which is not bad at all. Because uh, she's she's funny and, uh, and, and, you know, not afraid to not be so serious all the time. Vampyra was very intense and serious. I want to think I'm that, but I know that I'm Elvira. And that's okay. You know, so we've had them, but it was still a boy. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, it took us this long that, um, you know, when I decided I wanted to do a podcast, it was kind of like, this is probably going to sink like the Titanic. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it didn't. And I, I've had a, a, a great, when we started the podcast, I mean, we didn't know anybody that we had on there. We just put together a group of people. And now they're all like my best friends. <laughs> yep. So it's, it's really great. And people are kind of along the way. And listening to you guys is like the same way. When I first met you and then I listened to a few of your episodes, like I was laughing in my car along with you guys. I was saying stuff. I, like I remember the first, when I listened to the first episode, like I was texting you while I was listening to it. I was messaging you on Facebook. Yep. I was like, it was I'm fun. Right. It was fun. I was like, I'm being annoying. You're like, no, no. <laughs> like you're listening to me being annoying. So, I mean, you know. I, was, I accept the spot <laughs> as the annoying hostess. I, I totally do. No. I thought you guys were hilarious and fun. And I liked hearing all the different thoughts and stuff I've never thought of before with some of those movies. Like, and I really enjoyed the quotes at the very beginning. And it makes that right off the bat made me giggle. So I was just like, oh, this is going to be fun. And I love this podcast. It's in my lineup. <laughs> I so appreciate that. It took us two and a half years of building like Erica, you started at the very beginning of season two. Like you've been, yeah, I did the long haul here because <laughs> we only did a couple of season one episodes. <laughs> so I know it seems yeah, like we're not on topic, but and it gets like that with Ghouls Hunt out <laughs> because we have a lot more space to talk. But um, we are on topic because all of this relates back to sisterhood, um, reevaluating films from a female perspective. And just reevaluating the horror community on its on its whole merits, mm-hmm. you know, good and bad. And I think that this uh, this is one of that's you know it's definitely a conversation starter if you if you think about this film the right way and if you look at it the right way, it's definitely a good place to start talking about these things because it brings up ideas. And I'm just glad. I'm really really glad that people are seeing it now for what it is. Although, our, our good buddy Roger Ebert, who hates horror, he gave this three and a half stars. <laughs> Surprisingly. This film. He he actually got it. So, I think that's pretty cool. Roger Ebert, we, because he notoriously hated horror, and Gene Siskel as well. Like, when we did Maniac, we did Gene Siskel, like, shitting all over the movie for the intro. Um, <laughs> and I love Maniac. It's one of my favorite films ever. Um, 
yeah, they but they notoriously hated horror, and here's Roger Ebert. It's like, three and a half stars. I'm like, there's a man who gets it. He got it right then. <laughs> so he gets a pass on this one. <laughs> I don't want to hog all the talking time. I'm sorry. That's why I was like, I'll, I'll just stop for a minute because I'm, I'm trying to be better about that. So... Well, I wanted to touch on a point. Um, we've been talking about how the tables have turned. The guys are the victims. Um, there was actually going to be like a longer version of this movie that focused more on the character development of the guys. Yes. Um, just to make them seem more like they were actually like real people and that their deaths were like meaningful um, and I wonder, would, do you think they would have, like, made them seem like total douchebags so that we would kind of be on Jennifer's side? Or do you think that they would have made them more, like, down-to-earth and lovable so that we would hate Jennifer? In my opinion, um, I think there would have been a human element to it but I think and, and this is just my interpretation that the focal point is Needy and Jennifer's relationship and them as characters so maybe just build them up but maybe make it so like it's sad that they they were victimized to mm -hmm. humanize them a bit but, we, but without detracting a little bit that you know hey Jennifer was a victim here she didn't ask for this Mm -hmm. but it happened and it, and it's not technically her it's a succubus so right. a demon so I don't know that I, I guess I'm just not really sure but I, I, I think it maybe sensitivity wise there would have been a bit more fleshed out but I still think they would be human like they are but they work really well as the caricatures that women were so often written into in slashers. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? The only one I felt semi bad, what felt bad for was Colin. That was, <laughs> I don't know. Like my heart's with Colin. Uh, the rest of like, they just like Jennifer's body. Like that's like, that was just it. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I still just, I think the movie did its job. And I, like Candy said, they wrote them how they write women in movies. Like, kind of, they put themselves in like these horrible situations, these bad situations, going into like the woods with a girl or walking across a dark field. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know if they could have made me like them besides Colin. And they really did make him the sensitive, vulnerable one. The rest of them were literally, I think he really liked really after her body. So they, they stuck out as like the a-holes to me. Yeah. I just say they deserve, I don't condone violence. But they oh, no, I don't think anybody deserves it. The band fucking deserved it, but um, absolutely. Kill those motherfuckers. <laughs> um, you know. what, what do you think, Erica? Um, yeah, I don't, 
I don't mind the movie as it currently exists. I, I am always interested in, in when like a right the writer or director have a different vision and what they originally wanted to include um, compared to you know whatever hits theaters or uh, DVD Blu-ray. Um, character development for these uh, victims the way it is. Um, <clears throat> It's uh, it, it does also feel like it is kind of reversing. You like, yeah, like uh, what you guys were saying, like the way women are written. Like there are a lot of horror movies where sometimes female characters are very, you know, kind of one dimensional. Um, and I, y- y- even so, I think yeah, you know, some of these these male characters do already have some humanity, but they're like some of them are just douchebags, and I just didn't care that they were eaten. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like that was sort of but, uh, like like Mika was saying. Hmm. They, they wanted her body, and that overrode anything else. Exactly, it overrode their common sense in a lot of cases too. And it's like this is like just like creepy circumstance. Yeah, yeah, it's like, but he, he still went ahead and like met in that that creepy, empty neighborhood that was still being developed in, in a, like a, a dark, empty house, and it's like, oh man, just just why? <laughs> yeah, For so being he's... like the the smartest of the guys, he was pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he was the most like likable, but he still did. He still went, didn't he? Yep. In the end, because he was like, I'll take you to Rocky Horror. She's like, I don't like boxing movies. Like, he's like, that's not what it that was... is. And he still went for it, even though it was clear that she's not going to be into his interests. And you kind of, well, I think it's a bad idea to have absolutely everything in common with like any relationship, like with a, with a friend. You want somebody to bring something unique to a situation. But like if somebody says... You know, like, people who like Rocky Horror, they fucking love Rocky Horror. There's no, like, middle ground on that. And if somebody said that to me, I would be like, okay, so I don't, I'm not interested now. Um, we clearly have, we, we're not, we don't have enough in common. You might be hot, but mm, it's not going to work. Unless I was just trying to get some of that ass or something, you know. Which, obviously, is what won out in the end there. <laughs> so, that's what I think. I do know there was supposed to be a sex scene. The makeout scene was supposed to be a sex scene between um, Needy and uh, Jennifer. <laughs> I don't know that how I feel about that. But if they handled it in the same way as the makeout scene, where it wasn't <coughs> male gazy, where it felt natural, then maybe it would have actually been it intensified things. But I don't know. I don't. I. I I'd have to see it. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that it wasn't there because I do was a, a it's it's something I think like teenage girls go through like they have these feelings but then when they actually kiss a girl like what is happening and I think the way they responded to well how needy responded was a way like some most girls do respond once they like oh shit I just kissed a girl like what's happening <laughs> so, I need a minute to process yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jennifer's like, oh, shit, Needy. Like, you know, <laughs> Needy's like, what What the hell did I just do? And I, I kind of liked that. Like, I was like, 
that was a natural to me, like high school, uh, first time I kissed a girl, even though you liked it, response. (laughs) Well, because we're programmed by society. I mean, I was raised to be a domestic. I ended up being a domestic. You know, I stayed home. I raised my kids. Um, My youngest is in high school. My daughter's grown, you know, and it's like, that's what I was raised to do. And that stuff kind of sticks in your head. You know, first time I kissed a girl, I was like, whoa, wait, hold on. Because because it's already in our heads, you know, mm-hmm. like we are to marry, reproduce everybody. Every little girl is supposed to dream about getting married one day. And you see all these fucking ridiculous weddings. I, I don't believe in weddings myself. Um, I, I did get married. I got married the first time and that was a fucking mistake. I was young and stupid and he was an ass. But then that's putting it mildly. But like when Sean and I got married, um... He adopted my kids years before, because I was raising them by myself. Uh, even when I was previously married, I was raising them by myself. Um, and I was the breadwinner. But, you know, with Sean and I, he he he, he adop- adopted my children right away. He's the only father they've ever known. And, and, I mean, he doesn't treat them like they're not blood or anything. Like, he's always treated my kids like they were literally his blood. There's no weirdness about it but the the thing is is when we finally decided to get married which wasn't that long ago we've been together a really long time we've known each other since we were children but i was like no fucking wedding i don't want a wedding i want to spend the money i don't i don't want pomp and circumstance i don't want everybody staring at me in a fucking dress my mom made me wear a dress because she came you know we did it christmas because my mom would, would be up from canada and um i of course you know she takes me dress shopping i grabbed just a random plain goth black dress and she's like oh my god candy it's so you of course she would do that i'm like mom what's <laughs> stupid and i'm clumsy no i'm not into weddings I, i'm not i wasn't that little girl that dreamed about growing up and, and wearing a, a veil well my bar i played with my barbies i was playing like barbie and the rockers awesome makeup cool hair you know i didn't want to put her in and and like a wedding dress i never had the wedding barbies i was like fuck that shit i knew that from a when I was a kid, I'm not that little girl that wants to grow up and get married, and that's my dream. Yeah, no thanks. And I had a point with that, and I don't know what it was anymore. And it doesn't matter. I, I, I said what I said. I stand by <laughs> it. Oh, I do know what I was saying. Okay, came back to me. Drugs. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> they changed my meds today. Um, but yeah, um, and now I forgot it again. Oh, yeah. So what we're raised with, and especially like if you're like me and you grew up in the 80s, which a lot of a couple of us did. I know you're a little bit younger than us, Joelle. But, you know, it was it was pink pink was still happening. You know, wedding Barbies are pushed on us. You know, my mom's teaching me how to cook because I'm going to need to cook for my husband one day. And I'm like, why can't he cook? I don't understand. Yeah. Why do I have to cook? Exactly. It's such a pet peeve of mine. It is, but you know, I grew up with the same kind of mess. I taught the same things to my son that I taught to my daughter life skills. You know, but that's the beauty of society having a slow sea change going on. You know, we don't have to be stuck in these roles or 
certain things expected of us. And, you know, um, I know that there are moms, we, we have, we've had this resurgence of conservative thinking and women being subservient to their husband's recurrence. But at the same time, we're having this whole genders shouldn't have to be delegated to certain jobs. We have stay at home dads. Now we have, um, things that are different and that's good. It's a really good thing. Because I was like, what is wrong with me? Why don't I fit in? So, yeah. Candy and her rants. I'm sorry. Somebody else talk. <laughs> yeah, people need to hear this for sure. Oh, anybody who's around me hears it all the time. I'm like this <laughs> all the time. And I certainly teach it to my children. As you should. <laughs> I'm raising a feminist man. Because he's not my little boy anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> and he has life skills. He can do the laundry. He can cook food. He can... any Life skills that I gave to my daughter as well. And I'm like, and you go forth and you do whatever you need mm -hmm. to do. But you need to have adult skills. Every gender. No woman is going to come along and take care of you. You know, or no man's going to come and rescue you. I don't believe in that. My daughter, you know, she's bisexual, but tends to be, she's, she's um, in a very serious relationship with a, a, a woman now. And she tends to be happiest with women. I, and I'm happy for her, you know, <laughs> I've always raised my kids like that. Like, you know, don't, you, you don't have any gender expectations that you need to live up to. Just be a good fucking human being. That's all I ask, man. Yeah, I love that. I wish more parents did that. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm perfect. Yeah. I'm not. I've done my fucking up as a parent. It's hard to... And I mean, Mika, you have kids, right? I've done your fair share of... Well, you've done your fair share of fucking up, right? Oh, yeah. But then there's plenty that you're like... You pat yourself on the back for. Huh? Like, I did that right. Yeah. But no matter what you do, your kids are going to be mad at you about something you did. So, you know, that's something you resign yourself to when you have children. You sign that right away. They're going to hate me for something one day. It's going to be all my fault. And I did it wrong because I had no clue what the fuck I was doing. Nobody ever does. I compare all day. Winging it. <laughs> yeah, it's a test. It's a test you can never pass. <laughs> all the cheat sheets are wrong. But yeah. So back to, oh God, I was about to sound like Joe Bob. I was going to say, back to the movie. Because <laughs> Joe Bob's on tonight. He's on my brain. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my real dad. <laughs> yeah, his show is definitely the highlight of my week. You know, when it's, uh, when there's an active season going, which there is now, which is just, you know, I just love it so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I have my letters from him. They're by my bed. And I have my plushies of him and Darcy. I actually sleep because we, we have, you've been, you've seen my bed. It's massive. Sean and I are, not, are nowhere near each other on that bed. It's war. Otherwise, uh -huh. so I have my plushies that I, cu I cuddle with. And I'm just like, I don't care. 42 years old and I sleep with stuffed animals. Go fuck yourself. I do what I want. Oh, girl. 
Sorry, I didn't stop to talk to my cat. She's so cute. Aww. My babies are in the other room, sleeping their lazy asses off. I want to come back as a cat. I really do. But only a cat that's owned by me. Because my cats <laughs> yeah, live, like, someone fucking someone royalty. Yes. Yes. So, like, I've earned that life. I'm ready for that life to be my mm -hmm. cat. Like, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I got a good... They run this fucking place. I'm their slave. So... <laughs> I guess we can start like kind of pulling together like our final thoughts here. Um, anything that we haven't touched on that you guys would like to bring up? Oh. I'm interested, and I, I know we're going to get there, um, on how people are going to rate this. Because... Mm -hmm. It was a difficult one for me to rate, and we'll get there when I when, when we do ratings. But there, there, it's it's almost like it's two movies at the same time, the one that the people judge it by, and the one that is now being rediscovered or reevaluated by people. Um, you know, I feel like there are people that still look at this wrong. And, and in, if you go into Google, I swear, and you type in Jennifer's body and it does that predictive text, it's the kiss that comes up. So it tells you oh, things haven't changed sure. a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Not enough. Yeah. You know, that, but that was what they heavily marketed. That's why a lot of guys went to see it and it came home disappointed. I, I don't, it wasn't male gazing enough. You know, it wasn't sexy enough. It was genuine. You know. I think Amanda Seyfried said that it was easy for them because they kissed the same way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when they kissed, it was very natural and easy to do. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Um, anything that they would like to touch on? Or bring up or ask a question of or observations. Like, has anybody seen the director's so, cut? Um, I wasn't able to have it. I wasn't able to watch it last night because we had my grandson last night and he kept on running in and wanting to talk to me. And I'm just like, kid, you never ever want to talk to me. But now I'm trying to watch this movie. <laughs> Gosh, my, my youngest still does that, and he's 15, taller than me, but he comes in, hey, mom, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm re when I'm reading, there's a rule you don't talk to me, and I'm like, oh. hi, honey, how was your yeah. day, what do you want to talk to me about, and then talks to me for two hours about music or something, and I'm like, honey, I love you, why don't you want to do this when I'm doing fuck all, and, and I told them, you need to give me some time before you give me grandchildren, because fuck, I was a young mother, like, give me time. And this is coming from somebody who, my mom had me at 17, and I had my daughter, wasn't quite 21 yet. I was right before my 21st birthday. She was 38 when I made her a grandmother. I'm like, well, don't. Obviously, I'm past that age, but I'm like, I need time. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. Please don't do that. So I ended up watching the theatrical version, like today, before, because I knew I was going to do this. So I ended up watching that. Um, I'll say watching very loosely because I was listening to it and I was working, but I've seen it so many times. I kind of knew what was, I knew what was going on, but um, yeah, I've seen it before, but I didn't get to, and it's been a while since I've watched it. 
But I just think overall, the movie, I personally loved it. I loved it when I watched it in 2009. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was smart. I thought it was great. So, I, I, I you know, I honestly, I remember reading that it got a lot of hate and I didn't understand why. And even today when I went on IMDb, because I'm a weirdo that rates movies after I watch it. I always have to get on there and put, I don't put like a whole like blur, but I just put my star rating. Yeah, high. I'm sorry. I'm, my allergies too. Um, but that's exactly what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, after I watch a film, I go in there and just put my stars in. It kind of helps me keep track of what I've rated things. And sometimes I go back and change them. But, yeah, yeah. I think like a 5.6, I think now. And, and one of the first yeah. comments girl was like, or whoever I'm, I think it, I believe it was a girl that commented, but she was like, I don't understand why this movie gets so much hate. <laughs> she was just like, so I think people are rewatching it now and they're seeing that it actually is a really great film. And that Megan Fox did a, so did Amanda. They both did a phenomenal job, but Megan for me, cause it was just something different from what she normally does. She wasn't that ditzy girl. Like she was a strong succubus. <laughs> so. Um, from what my research said, it, it's the favorite film that both Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox have done. They had the most fun doing this film. I heard that too. Yep. I think that's interesting, considering mm-hmm. their bodies of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Megan Fox was blackballed for a long time, so she was kind of stuck in roles like this, but she really made the most out of this, and it probably helped working with both a hands-on female writer and a female director who was like, okay, you know, let's take this sexuality that you get stuck in as your only roles and let's do something interesting with it. Let's let you use that in a, in a, in a way that, um, you know, the men don't write for you. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't. I, whenever it's silent, I'm just like, I gotta start talking. I guess. No. Um, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to make sure everybody gets their turn before I, you know, I start like launching into things. I think we hit almost every point we possibly could in this. You know, talking about this movie, uh, the feminist part. You know, the the role reverses and all that. I think we kind of hit on every part that I was thinking about while well, I was th- thinking about what do I want to talk about today? And I think we hit almost everything I was thinking of. So. Yeah. And, and with the director's cut, there's only five extra minutes of footage. Mm-hmm. So it's not, but there, um, but there was stuff that never quite made it to any version. And like the sex scene that I mentioned, they, you know, Diablo Cody decided to take that out. Um, which probably, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think it would have been done well, but I think that um, it would have detracted. It would have become too much of like that fantasy element that we didn't want. But it probably would have done better at the box office, which is sad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's all that would have been talked about. The hot scene between Megan and Amanda. That's all that would have been talked about. So, and I mean, it's bad enough that we already have that with the kiss. But, <laughs> and I'm hoping yeah. that that's some young women, <laughs> bi curious women, or 
um, young women who are, are, are haven't come out yet as a lesbian looking some of that up too. Like, mm-hmm. I, hope, I, I like to believe that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and if that's the case, go girl. <laughs> but men looking it up to be exploitative, they're always disappointed. And I, I am so oddly happy about that. Um, good. Be disappointed. Mm-hmm. It's not for you. And you didn't get the. You didn't get the point. Yeah. That's one of my complaints about the hunger. Um, and that's a little bit spoilery because we're gonna do the hunger on Ghouls Night Out. But I, I will say this: you know, Susan Sarandon, um, who's a brilliant actress, she made some brave choices. But the way that the it was shot all artsy and very male gazy with their sex scenes. And it kind of detracts. Um, it's like, okay, so you're just going to cater to the men when this could be beautifully done without all of that and, and made to uh, not feel so, you know, there for men's entertainment instead of telling a story. You know, that that's a, that's a weak point there. And that's what I do give this uh, some credit for. It, it's not like that. I'm glad they were disappointed. I've actually never seen that, so I'm not to throw that on. It's um, it's it's very artsy and it's a little slow paced. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna spoil any more of what I have to say about it too much, but uh, but I would say it's worth a watch. It's a, it's an interesting take on the vampire story, which we all know I'm the I'm the vampire queen, but. Um, and David Bowie's in it, um, one of those 80s, you know, when he was heavily acting in the 80s. And um, it's an interesting story. Um, definitely should at least see once. I, I recommend it anyway. Okay. So, yeah. Anybody else? And then, if not, we can just go ahead and rate. I have one more thing. Um, I... I've seen this movie a few times before. I saw it when it came out. Um, But this time, when, at the end of the film, when um, Needy is trying to kill Jennifer and they are levitating in the air above the bed and Needy, like, rips off the BFF necklace. and, And as soon as that happens, you hear, like, this really eerie scream and then it kind of goes silent. And I feel like that's just when Jennifer totally um, realizes that the loyalty and submissiveness of Needy is just completely gone and she falls to the bed and that's it. Like that was just such an eerie feeling that I got when I heard that scream. I I loved it actually. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's a great moment. I I actually interpreted it different than that. And that's, that's what I love is hearing when when people have different um interpretations and of course none are wrong um i took it as when she ripped the bff necklace off is recognizing the fact that i I really do think they were best friends and best friends have some shit going on and sometimes there's a little toxicity in there um well you've been friends for so long some shit builds up and they're you know people are human and they get jealous but i felt like when she ripped the necklace off and you have that that eeriness, that, that that scream is more like, she, almost like Jennifer giving up and saying, "I'm still your best friend," and you recognize that what's going on here now is not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, a good way to take it. 
I guess that's the way I thought of it, but I, I don't really think there are, there's a wrong answer there. Sure. Yeah. I just kind of, I thought that part signified like this is the end of our friendship. Like I'm done with you and her ripping off the, the BFF. Like that's it. Yeah. And it can work on both levels. Absolutely. Because I, it, to me, I felt like Jennifer gave up. Like she mm -hmm. was, it, I don't know. I, I'm just looking at this a whole different way. I guess, but that's I, I took it differently, but I, I've been in, in uh, a complicated long-term friendship before. And you know, there are things that are in that past friendship, which it's clearly we're no longer friends, but um, <coughs> where our, the demon I was dealing with was not a succubus, but I was dealing with a demon. Mm -hmm. And you know, and it does terminate the friendship and there is that. And you do realize that there was some underlying toxicity, but it's also you're battling a fucking demon that's not your friend. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever that demon might be. Um, the one I was fighting was heroin. Yeah. Mm. Not really sure how that happened, but you know, but it wasn't her. But then it just made me reevaluate the whole friendship. So I think it could, it, it could actually be both. But that's just me bringing, you know, sometimes we get out of films what we bring to it. I brought that to it. You know, I, I bring that to it, definitely. Especially this at this point in my life. I think I, I, I agree when you say Jennifer gave up, not Jennifer, uh, Needy gave up. But also like that part where she said you were never a good friend. It was a realization to her. Like, why was I friends with you for so long? And once she ripped that necklace off, like she's like, I'm done with you. Like breaking off that toxic, you know, friendship. Even mm -hmm. that was a friend, it was still toxic. And I think almost all women have had to go through something like that where you had to like break off a toxic friendship, yes. even though you care of them, you just realize that that's that's not a, they're not a good friend and not a good person for you in your life. I might be thinking too deep of it with this no, movie. No, that's I exactly how I felt about it. You know, it, it, it echoed um, a similar kind of thing in my life. I mean, of course, not with the succubus part, but a different demon. And and then I was like kind of looking back when they, when she said, you know, I wish I'd never been friends with you. You would always have been a nerdy loser if I'd never been friends with you. And I was thinking, well, you never gave me credit for shit. But was that the demon talking to me? Because why would she stay friends with me for so long? I don't know. You know, it's it's so confusing um, when, you, when you're in something like that and you've been friends with somebody through all your phases of life in there when the kids are born and marriage and, and all these things. And you're just like, what? You can't actually mean that, can you? But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really long journey to go on. The end result is like, well, no, we weren't what I thought we were. And that it yeah. feel, I felt like it stole memories from me. It wasn't what I That's thought right. it was because I was the needy in that that scenario. Yeah. And it turns out, and I think it's interesting that needy wasn't the needy one. It was Jennifer who was. Mm -hmm. That's what we see in that moment. Mm -hmm. Jennifer needed her. Yeah. Isn't that mm -hmm. that, that movie? <laughs> I've never heard someone called Needy. I think it's weird they gave her that nickname in that movie. I think it was intended. Needy. Yeah. 
Yeah. One thing I found interesting as far as like, oh, sorry, Candy, Uh, like the the fact the friendship. Oh, sorry. Um, The just another thing that pointed up that even before Jennifer is possessed or you know has a a demon, you know, fused to her her body and soul, basically that just kind of another warning sign that the friendship wasn't you know, really equal was uh, when Jennifer is flirting with the, the lead singer of that the boy band. <laughs> to, oh, the awful music. Oh God. Doesn't give her name. Yeah. She's I, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Jennifer. So, so and this is my name or this is my friend rather. And it's like, you're not going to name your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I like, Hey, here's me. And here's this extension of me. Yeah, I mean, and and so yeah, I don't know if my internet's bad again, but yeah, you're kind of cutting in and out, or maybe now I am. I don't know. Okay, no, no, shoot. Okay, everyone's frozen. So okay, now I can hear you, but it's kind of like chopped. Yeah, everyone's frozen for my end. Oh shoot. Okay, Zoom hates me most of the time. Oh, it's hated me earlier in the episode. But, yeah, a lot of people, you know, um, particularly women, like, like where we started this conversation, it's easier for us to be closer and to trust other women in a way that men don't mm-hmm. with each other. It's a whole different dynamic, but it's also easier for us to get into toxic relationships. And people don't realize that toxic relationships don't just mean with a partner. It means with your friends, too. I've, I've had toxic friends. Yep. Um, and it and you're just like, oh man, and and of both genders, but because I let women get closer, they can hurt me more. Mm-hmm. And I've I've not had a plethora of uh, too many close female friends as many as I would have liked, just because of the the circles I ran in and my activities, like we we talked about, but. But when that that toxicity comes into that any relationship that you have and. And I'm like, I always have to tell people, you know, a friendship is a relationship. And oftentimes, you'll have the same best friend for most of your life or the same close friends. And while well, you can go through three, four marriages or countless partners or whatever, but you tend to have the same friends, but, you, but we overlook and we forgive some of that toxicity a lot easier in a friendship than we would in a relationship like of a romantic nature, yeah. I think. That's true. Mm-hmm. You don't set boundaries enough. So yeah, this is a definitely a tale of that. The boundaries were all over the place, and it was clear that the sexual tension was there, um, and that they were attracted to each other. But the friendship, maybe that's why it lasted so long, and mm-hmm. for other reasons too. I do think there was genuine affection and care there, but that can be tinged with toxicity, for, with jealousy, mm-hmm. um, with a lot of things. And then we throw in that sexual tension and we've got a really complicated relationship that represents how complicated mm-hmm. fucking friendships can be. Yeah. You know, I don't think people talk about that enough. They're always bitching about their partners or... You know, husbands or wives, whatever, but you don't hear them bitch about their friends too much. 
Because we'll, we'll put up with it there. We don't mm -hmm. talk about it enough. Mm -hmm. We'll forgive True. that easier. Yeah. A friend can't cheat on you. You know. Like, how dare you? And, you know, I caught you texting this other person. You know, like, of course they, they're they just your friend. Like, you don't care about that. Mm -hmm. But it becomes a whole other thing. If that person's <clears throat> talking about you behind your back or... You know, and that's where it crosses over into, yeah, it's a relationship. Just not a romantic one. Yeah. Boundaries, 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 always. And something that's new to me, setting boundaries, I just let people walk all over me, friends, anybody. I just want to be everybody's friend. I'm that person. And people, and there are predatory people who see that in you. Like, oh, that's somebody I want as my friend because they'll do anything for me. Yeah, that's kind of bit me in the ass. So I have to be more cautious. And I'm like, that's just not my nature. But I have to put it in these safeguards in place so people don't take advantage of me. Like I was saying, um, pre-recording. You don't have to be careful because people will take advantage of me. It's easy to do. Because I just want to be friends with everybody. I, I want to be cool with everybody. And people will take that and be like, how much can I get out of her? Because she'll clearly bend over backwards mm -hmm. for anybody. You know, and then you just feel so used and hurt. And I've already had that happen to me. The horror community on a whole is a wonderful place. The horror podcasting community on a whole is a wonderful place. But there are people who have taken advantage of that for me just in horror podcasting. Come to me for advice. Oh, yeah. Wanted to do my show. Said they were big fans. And then ghosted me. And then... You know, made up some bullshit excuses to why they can't do my show when they promised pulled out of all the shows that they wanted to do and never spoken to me again. And I don't call them out. And I never say anything bad about anybody unless they ask me a direct question. And even then, I'm very careful. I'm just like, okay, you asked my opinion as to why, whether you should work with these people. I would say no. And I'll tell you why. But, uh, you know, otherwise, I just kind of move along. But overall, you know, it's a trustworthy, wonderful place. Less toxic than gaming. <laughs> I, I, I kind of pulled out. Of, I used to be a Twitch streamer in my 30s, um, my early 30s um, and late 20s. And I, I pulled out of that. That, that. that community is still fucking toxic. Horror community is much more accepting. Bad. I had to get out of that one. That, that one's still a boys game. So... Yeah. All right, then. Um, I guess we can launch into ratings if you guys are ready. And um, so ready. of course, that means me giving a rating and summarizing everything I've already said. So that's fun. Yay. I know everyone's excited for that. <laughs> okay. Um, my rating, as um, usually happens during a conversation, changes. And I don't rate like a critic. I rate on um, different criteria, so my ratings don't mean like I'm I'm I think I'm Siskel Ebert or any Roper or anybody else. I'm not a film critic. I am a film lover. <coughs> so that's how I rate. To be fair, because everybody's like, "Can you rate everything so high?" I'm like, "Well, I make the schedule." To be fair, and as we talk, sometimes points are brought up that will raise my score or. Uh, sometimes lower it, but 
I give Jennifer's body 10 out of 10 tampons. Um, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's so cheesy that it, it's, I appreciate it when she's, <laughs> she's bleeding. Do you have a tampon? You just seem like you're plugging right now. Um, <laughs> That cheesy dialogue works so well because I feel like it's satirical. I feel like this is a satirical look um, at gender reverse roles in a horror film. And uh, also a commentary mm -hmm. on relationships uh, and friendships. And I think it succeeds. And I really did not think I was going to give this a 10 out of 10. So I am surprised. But the more that I talked about it, the more that it's, it's sometimes I can judge a movie on what it makes me think about, what I want to talk about. In relation to it, when, when I get into a conversation with others and we brought up these points and it's made me think even more, um, yeah, my, my score went up. So, uh, underrated, um, and none of people dive deep into that. And I hope people who are listening to this, um, um, whenever they're listening to it, um, think about this stuff and maybe go back and rewatch and, uh, that could be any gender. Um, you can see these things there and, and at least appreciate it. Whether you like the film or not, you can appreciate that it was something different, something new, and it was way ahead of its time. And so based on that criteria, I have to give it a 10 out of 10 tampons. And whoever would like to go next? Um, I'll go next. I'm going to give it... A 9.75 tampons. <laughs> the only reason why I say that 0.25 is because of that fucking song that is played throughout the whole movie. And it's so <laughs> awful. Like, pick a better song. Could it have been Jenny, even? Like, a, it slaps or whatever they say. Anyway. Not, the song is. I think part of the joke was it. <laughs> The song itself was really, like, it didn't bother me the first time they played it, but I think it was, the like, it continuously, continuously, continuously. Like, we get it, through the tree. Like, I don't know. That's the only <laughs> If that song wasn't in there, it was a different song. It'd be 10 tampons, but that song. <laughs> the beauty of the house that screams is you can defend your rating any way you want. That's true. <laughs> That's probably like a point they wanted to make too is like Needy being so frustrated at hearing that song all the time because like the band is such they're just a bunch of douchebags like yeah. they just wanted to take advantage of her friend like I get yeah. it. Yeah. It increases your hate. <laughs> yeah. It does. Okay, um who wants to go next? Um, I'll go unless my internet connection is still suck. I can hear you. You sound, yeah. you sound fine. Okay, good. Okay. Um, I have to give this um, nine out of ten fluffy uh, or puffy uh, prom dresses. Oh, God, yeah, that dress. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a, a wild uh, pink prom. Uh, um, but yeah, there's. Uh, I think this movie is definitely... Um, underrated and underappreciated like a lot of uh, Karen Kasama's films uh, but I mean it's it's really beautifully shot um, the characters are, are interesting like there's just a lot you can think about in terms of female friendships 
also like um i really enjoy the soundtrack not the dipshit um you know boy band song that plays repeatedly because they just overdid it um and it's it's kind of a mediocre song honestly but like the other songs there are like this nice little time capsule uh, of that era so that that is one point i meant to mention earlier and forgot but yeah there's there's just a lot of good about this movie and it's uh, it, there's a lot of funny dialogue it's intelligence um there's definitely a lot of things to talk about with it so yeah i, I have to give it um nine out of ten puffy pink prom dresses yeah and as a matter of fact that new perspective song by panic at the disco that plays it was specifically done for that movie okay. i love that song i i'm not a big brendan yuri fan anymore after what i found out about him but gosh he's yeah. got a voice like a fucking angel and i like my emo uh, but i'm more of a my chemical romance screamo type though but i i do love fallout mm-hmm. boy though so i saw you know the fallout boy poster i'm like yeah <laughs> um yeah the... <clears throat> i was just gonna say the the soundtrack was all like the fueled by ramen which has like fallout boy and panic at the disco and paramore and um class heroes and cover yeah yeah and it and it's very nostalgic for me personally because i was an emo kid in around that time like i graduated high school when that movie came out and um that's a point i'm gonna make in my review um i'm gonna get it give it um nine out of ten hello jeans um Uh, and I think I'm, it's not a full 10 for me just because like the movie did what it was supposed to do, but I still wanted to see like more. And I think I wanted it to be more of a horror than a comedy. And I wanted it to be kind of pushed more into the horror realm. And maybe like we actually see Jennifer tearing one of these boys apart, except, you know, not just like her silhouette on the sheet that's hanging on the wall right um but I mean Megan Fox's acting in this was really good especially in the sacrifice scene I actually believe she was terrified and afraid for her life um I think her representation of that was so accurate um and I really relate to I mean, I don't really relate to this film, but like it it brings back memories for me having uh, been in high school at that time too. Um, totally an emo kid. And the the fashion was accurate. The movie was accurate or not the movie, the, the music. Um, <laughs> I was pretty nostalgic watching it, you know, 15 years later. Um, so I'm giving it nine out of 10 hello jeans. Yeah, I used to wear those jeans. <laughs> I guess other night I had a baby, but I was I was I was rather young. But yeah, um it was it was interesting cuz they were all, you know, all the high school kids were like you're too old. I'm like I'm not that much older than you. I just had a baby young. I can still like music and go to concerts if I want. And I still do in my 40s, so I'm like whatever. I want to see MCR in September. Lucky Hell yeah. Emo kids never die. Well, this has been um, an interesting conversation. I really was surprised by my score, <laughs> but I retract <laughs> nothing. 
I retract nothing. I've always loved this movie, so I, yeah, I I love it. I like the dialogue. I like. I said lime green jello in two thousand nine to twenty ten and twenty eleven for the longest time. Like you are lime green jello. <laughs> so I don't know. I love. It. Yeah, and it, it it's some of the points that that we like about it are what people complain about. Um, oh, the dialogue's stupid. I'm like, it's kind of a satire. It's it's making fun of you when you don't know it. Yeah. Kind of feel it, sorry for those people. Like, oh yeah, like they're the people that you're 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 who's being made fun of here. You're mm -hmm. you're the, what's being sad. <coughs> so. I all had these stupid sayings when we were in high school, you know? So I, it was kind of nostalgic in a, in a way for me, like the crazy things we used to say in high school and they had their own, like you have your own little language. They had their own little language. So I don't know. I love it. I'm so old that when I was in high school, nobody had cell phones. We had beepers. Mm -hmm. I'm 39. So I, mean, I just told everybody my age, but yeah, we had beepers. Oh, I talk about my age all the time. I'm the second oldest person on my show. But everybody thinks that I'm like 30. And I'm like, that's cool. I'll be 43 this year. I mean, I did when I first met you. <laughs> I thought you were super. A lot of it's attitude because I really, I didn't put on, I haven't been putting on makeup lately. Because um, I've just been so tired and adjusting to different medications or not feeling well or whatever. So usually I go all out and I've just been too tired. But, you know, people see the way that I dress and, and my demeanor and I always wear barrettes or something. Because my hair is just so straight and boring and blah 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 and i definitely need to die job that's happening tomorrow um because i just don't want to be blonde candy anymore i'm the first person that would die in a horror film with that name in here <laughs> black has given me freedom black hair but i wear the barrettes mm -hmm. and I, I dress the way i dress i kept my piercings in you know um i i took i had 23 i, I kept a couple <laughs> i should say um, I took a lot of them out, but you know, I keep some, but you know, just even on that, it, even with the lines in my forehead that I've had since teenager, but like, they don't look cute in my, my forties, but, um, even with that, it's, it's really your demeanor. It's really how you present yourself and your joy de vivre or whatever. Yeah. I like to have fun and laugh and whatever. And I think that changes how people view you age wise. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because Dave's always like, I'm so old. And I'm just like, dude, I'm like the next person. I'm even older than Nico. Nico's birthday is like right after mine. And I think I've got uh, I've got a little bit on Erica too. So, And, and I'm older than my husband. He's, he's not quite... He's six months younger than me, but still. Like that oh. bastard just turned 42. Like, Son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> but I talk about my age just because like, man, I got to own this shit. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I feel like I look pretty decent. If people think I'm in my 30s, you know what? I'm winning. We right. went to the Coffin Cat <laughs> show. Uh, it's a punk band. I, I like a lot of punk music. And um, I was standing outside the bar. I was like drinking a cocktail because I was, I, was, I was out there having a cigarette because we know that I smoke. I, I smoke a lot when I'm doing the show for some reason. But um, and I, we were talking about bands and I was like, you know, I didn't get to see this band, you know, when I was younger, but blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, Oh, well, when I was your age, I didn't either. I'm like, I think we're the same age. But I'm not going to tell them that. Because they were just, they looked they looked to be in their like, late 40s or so. Like, they couldn't have been that much older than me. And they, they thought it was, like, really young. And I'm like, oh, no, honey. 
I know. I've got it. You, you, my daughter's 22. I don't know. I think that qualifies me. Yep. Yeah. I have a grown-ass kid. I have a grown-ass stepdaughter, too. So that's kind of cool. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Sidetrack. <laughs> Must go get to Joe Bob Excuse now. Me. But I, I want to thank you, um, all of you lovely women, for being here tonight. And we got to do this again. Yes. Eric and I usually are on our own for these. And, and I enjoy that as well. Uh, I love Candy Erica time. But I, I just love uh, female horror fan voices. And just with no interference. <laughs> We yes, don't have to explain likewise. things. Like once yeah. when I was talking about my camisole, and the guys were like, "What's a camisole?" And I'm like, "Oh dear lord." <laughs> <laughs> I have to explain fashion to you. Like I don't want to have to stop and explain myself. <laughs> so, so it's kind of nice. It's it's well, it's very nice, you know, and and just hanging out with other female horror fans, yeah. and we don't have to prove anything to anybody. Totally. Exactly where you guys definitely are invited anytime. And of course, to the regular show as well. Um, you both have done that. And um, that's a lot of fun too. It's just a different vibe. Yep. Different vibe. And they're all good vibes. Absolutely. <laughs> point is to have fun. And I think we accomplished that. Yep. So, again, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us on a Friday night. And uh, um, again, um, hope to see you back soon and love you guys have a good night you have a good night guys thank you bye bye, bye. bye.